0: Tonight, I'm going to go ahead and just get right into the word. And I want to ask you, not really ask you a question, but I want to pose to you a question that the Lord asked me. And it's this. Are we preparing people for the last days? Are we preparing people for the last days? You know, I've been pondering questions like that as I think about ministry, as I think about our city, as I think about Angelina County, I think about the vision of this church. There's all these things where you, when you think about vision, Lord, what's the vision? Do we need to have more carnivals to get more people to come? Do we need to have more giveaways? Do we need to have some pony rides? You know, and I'm not against having fun. I'm not against blessing our people at all. But the question that the Lord and the burden that the Lord put on in my spirit is, are we preparing people for the last days? I, I talked about this with the youth, some of this stuff, with the youth last Friday night. And, and I'm going to tell you, I didn't preach a very tra- a tradi- traditional message that you would preach at a youth lock-in. Uh, but I do live with that reality. Because the Bible's clear about what's coming. The Bible is so clear about what's coming, and I am convinced people aren't ready for what's coming. And my goal is to not just have the largest youth group in Angelina County with 600 kids. Praise the Lord if that happens, but let it happen for the right reason. Are you with me? My goal is that in 10 years from now, these kids will be following the Lord strong, or, number two, that these kids would not be deceived about what it means to follow Jesus, and they wouldn't be surprised of what their future holds. Amen. And so, you know, I really prayed that night when I preached that message. I said, Lord, help me, help me give something to these kids that in five years from now, ten years from now, the, the, the seeds in them, they'll think back to, to some of these moments. And so the question is, are we really preparing people for the last days? You have to ask yourself this question. As a pastor, I have to constantly make sure. Pastors watching online, we have to first ask, are we going? Are we going to make it ourselves? Right? Are we prepared personally? Y'all, I'm telling you, as I go over some of this content personally, it's humbling. Some of the hardest things that you think that I preach about you, the Lord deals with me first and I'm constantly looking at my life saying, Lord, personally, am I I meeting this? Am I doing this personally? Are we going to make it? Another question to ask, pastors, is our church going to make it? Are you with me? Do we have multitudes of people in our church that are going to hell? I have such a burden for the lost. But... The Lord has been putting such a, for the lost, I should say this, I have such a burden for the lost that are in the streets, but in my prayer time, the Lord's been putting such a burden on me for the lost that are in the church house too. I mean, above and beyond. It's like, I pray for the lost, I pray for the harvest, but there is such a burden for those that are in church that are going straight to hell, which is a lot of people. Here's another question. Okay, are you going to make it? Okay, is your church going to make it? Number three, are your children going to make it? Are your children going to stand in the last day? Are we preparing them for this? Are we preparing them for what's coming? Amen. I know uh, uh, this may not be just a fun message tonight, but I pray, I pray that it helps you. I pray that it encourages you. I don't think people are prepared. I think the majority of what most people hear is just lines like this, that this is just going to be the absolute best year you've ever had. Amen. This can going to be the best year you ever had. This can going to be the best year you ever had. I, you know that I preach the blessing of the Lord, right? That's great. Uh, and you have a lot of people prophesying this about America, that about America, God's going to do this in America, and we're going to see all of this stuff take place, and, all, and that's all great, and that's all wonderful, and I believe in prophecy, but I'm going to tell you that there's one thing that stands above it all, and what is that? It's the Word of God. There's one thing that'll never change. It's the Word of God. So I want to share with you what the Word of God is overwhelmingly clear about concerning the last days. Right, Because I know you got a lot of prophets, a lot of voices, a lot of messages. And that's actually a sign of these last days. You're going to have teaching words coming at you from every which way, every which direction. I want to just get away from all of that. Anything that we've ever heard anybody else say, and I just want to share with you simply what the Word of God is overwhelmingly clear about concerning the last days. You know, and again... A lot of believers are backslidden. A lot of believers are compromised. A lot of believers are in a lukewarm state. My prayer is that God is sending me as a messenger to those people tonight. If that's you, if they're online, amen. Lord, take this word and let it get in front of more people than are sitting in this room. Not for the glory of our church. Not for the glory of my ministry. Just simply for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ and the message that he's trying to get across to people. Hallelujah. Um, And so again, I do battle with the same thoughts maybe that you have. I hear words like, y'all look at the church. It's so amazing what the church is doing right now. The church is better than it's ever been. The church is bigger than it's ever been. The church is more glorious than it's ever been. You look around and you have hope for the church. But, you know, the scripture is, is clear. If you were here Sunday, I talked about what Jesus spoke prophetically about the last church age before the rapture takes place. In that last church age in Revelation chapter 3, there's nothing that he commends them for. In all the other letters, all six other letters, Revelation 2 through Revelation 3, he's talking to these churches. We, we, You know, I don't need to go through all of that. You understand those represented different churches, different periods of time throughout church history. He always had something good to say. You've done this well, you've done this well, but you need to repent because if you don't, you're doing this stuff wrong. When it comes to the last church, the church of Laodicea, But the last body of Christ, the last people that are here before the rapture, he has nothing good to say about them. In fact, his warning is you're lukewarm, you're indifferent, and you better repent, turn from your indifference. You say that you're rich, you say that you're blessed, you say that you have everything that you need, but you're wretched, you're poor, you're broken, you're naked. Are you with me? So that's actually the state. The the, the church is in a lukewarm state. Are we preparing people for the last days? And then you could also say this. What will we see increase in these last days? Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Lord, I hope that you help me get this message out because, honestly, the message that God's given me in my heart is so much better than what I'm able to communicate. I always struggle with that. I always get up and try to communicate what the Lord puts in my heart, and I walk away thinking, Lord... I didn't get it across what it is in here. So that's my prayer tonight. Lord, help me. What what you're showing me here, help me get it out here. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 3. So later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And they came to him privately and said, tell us when this will happen. What will be the signal of your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. I'm just going to stop with that verse right there. Many will come claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive Many. Okay, so write this down for point number one. What will we see increase in the last days according to the Scripture? Number one, false doctrine. Write that down. False doctrine. Many will come claiming they are the Messiah, and they'll deceive many. I like the way the Amplified reads it. It says this, Jesus answered them, be careful that no one misleads you. The same exact text misleads you say misleads you listen to the warning be careful that no one misleads you what's one of the signs of the last days you're going to have voices coming from every which direction and multitudes of people are going to be misled by those voices be careful that no one misleads you deceiving you and leading you into error Deceiving you, leading you into error, for many will come on the strength of my name. Appropriating the name which belongs to me, saying that I am the Christ, the Messiah. And they will lead many astray. The Bible warns about false teachers. The Bible warns about false teaching. The Bible warns about false prophecy. That they're going to rise up in the last day and they're going to deceive many people. Okay? Are we preparing Christians to stand against false doctrine? Listen to me. Are you preparing your children to stand against false doctrine? Are we preparing our churches to stand against false doctrine? One of the rebukes when you read through those letters, Revelation chapter 2 through Revelation chapter 3, He commends them in the first letter, the first church of Ephesus. He says, you have examined those that claim to be prophets and you found apostles and you found them to be liars. One of the rebukes that he gives one of the churches is, you're permitting that prophet, that Jezebel to run around and deceive many people. Are we preparing Christians today to stand against false doctrine, false teaching? The Bible teaches that in the last days, many will depart from the faith. Why will they depart? Due to false doctrine. Listen to me. The scripture is clear, and I'm going to show you the scripture, that in the last days, the problem is not going to necessarily be what's being preached on CNN, what's being prophesied by Fox News, What's happening on MTV or Disney Plus are the latest, stupidest cartoon that they're releasing? That's not really the enemy. It is a enemy, but it's not the leading cause, according to the scripture, that's going to cause people to depart. The thing that's going to cause people to depart is the doctrine of demons that gets inside the pulpits in the local churches. Are you with me? Uh, David Wilkerson, anybody listen to him? Love David Wilkerson late David Wilkerson, he says this, false doctrine and false teachers are sending more people to hell than all the drug pushers, pimps, and prostitutes in the whole world. It's true. Matthew 24, 10. Matthew 24, you look down in your Bible, verse 10, it says, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So one of the signs of the last days... And I'll get to this. He didn't say you'd have the biggest, bestest, most flourishing churches. Man, you'd be doing so great. You'd be doing so amazing. He said in the last days, many will turn away from me. Are you guys hearing me tonight? In the last days, many will turn away from him. My prayer is the pastor of this church. I don't have any of those in our church that depart, that are deceived. Many will turn away. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. Let no one deceive you. For the day, that day, talking about the day of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Say the falling away. And a man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The man of lawlessness, another verse says. So the Bible says the second coming of the Lord will not happen unless first, say first, the great falling away takes place. So what will happen in the biblical timeline? Before the return of the Lord, you'll have what's known as the great apostasy, the great departure, where many will depart from the true faith. Then the Antichrist will be revealed. Look at First Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. What will happen? They'll turn away from the true faith. Why? They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people, talking about the teachers, will be hypocrites, liars, and their consciences are dead. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Paul's telling Timothy here, preach, stand on the word, preach the word. Don't compromise the word. Don't water down the word. Preach the word of God, whether it's favorable or not, whether the people like it, whether they don't like it. Don't change the word, he's telling Timothy. Why? He says, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. All anybody wants is the is the what is the encouraging, but Paul lists three things there: patiently, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. That means that two thirds of all preaching should be rebuking and correcting. Are you with me? And one third encouraging. It doesn't all need to be rebuke, but it doesn't. It can't all be encouraging. Are you with me? He says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. So there's, double, there's two warnings here. Number one, there's a time coming where many will rise up with false messages. Many will rise up with false doctrines. Many will rise up with what's known as the doctrine of demons that will deceive many people. And there will come a time where people will no longer hunger after sound teaching. They'll no longer hunger after the word of God. It says this, it says, they'll no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth, and they'll chase after myths. Read the same verse in the Amplified. For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure sound or wholesome instruction, But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. Say pleasing. People are going to be, they just want something that makes them feel good. Feel good in their sin. Feel good in their deception. Feel good in their lethargy. They're They're going to want something pleasing and gratifying. They'll gather themselves, one teacher after another, to a considerable number. What is that talking about? People that just hop around place to place, person to person, doctrine to doctrine, denomination to denomination, just looking for somebody that will tell them what they're trying to justify in their own sinful nature. Satisfying their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold. They'll turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man made fictions. Basically, what is, what is this saying? That they'll chase after teaching that gratifies their flesh appetite. That'll gratify, gratify the appetite of their flesh. So, what's my point in reading you all those scriptures? The Bible's overwhelmingly clear of two things. False teachers will rise up in the last day, and in the last day, many people will depart from true teaching, and they'll follow after those false teachings. Are you with me? False teaching will be in supply and demand. And then, you know, many, many, many people will depart from the true faith, the Bible says. You know what, what's going to happen in the last day is that these people are going to begin to cater to what the people want, not what the Lord wants, not what the Word says. They're going to get away from standing firm and preaching the Word of God and its trueness. And they're going to cater to those flesh desires of the people. And they're going to compromise. And what's what's going to happen? Are they going to be small, little, insignificant churches? No, people are going to flock to them by the hundreds and flock to them by the thousands. And then what takes place is these places preaching false doctrine will stand up and say, Look at us. Look how big we are. Look how prosperous we are. Look how many people that we have. The blessing of the Lord must be with us because of this following that we've accumulated. Guys, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong with great, big, awesome, powerful churches. The book of Acts church was a big church. But the sign of the blessing of the Lord is not numbers. Are you with me? It's not numbers in the seats. It's not dollar signs in the bank account. Because the Bible is clear that people will flock to that, and they'll go straight to hell. What are some of these teachings? I'm not going to get into all of it, but Jesus actually... If you read these letters, we've been going through Revelation 2-3, through 3, the seven letters. He identifies some of these false teachings. In one place, he calls it the teaching of the Nicolaitans. You've allowed some of you, some Nicolaitans among you to, to basically infiltrate the church with their teaching. What, what was the teaching of the Nicolaitans? In another place, he says you've allowed that false prophet, that Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit, that same spirit that was on Jezebel in the Bible, it's the same spirit, same demon, same push that's at work. What are these teachings? I'm just going to sum it up for you because it's not the point of my sermon tonight. Teaching that, teaching that is Jesus with no repentance. Some of these false teachings, you look at the Nicolaitans, you look at some of the doctrines, it was teaching Jesus without repentance. That was one of them. Are y'all following me? Places are people are going to flock to places that teach them you can have Jesus without having repentance. One of the other teachings was Jesus without surrender. You can be saved, you can go to heaven, you can be a Christian without surrendering anything, without having to give the Lord anything. You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to get on your face. You don't have to know him. All you have to do is repeat the words after me. If you repeated those words, you're saved. Your eternity is secure. This was Nicolaitan teaching. Are you with me? What was the teaching of Jezebel? It's a gospel that satisfies the desires and the covetousness of your flesh. What was it that Jezebel told her husband? You're the king. Go get the vineyard. You can have what you want. There's no reason that you can't have what you want. That belongs to you. Go take it. He doesn't want to give it to you. He don't want to sell it to you. Go and take it from him. That's what the Jezebel spirit did, right? So it's a gospel that just, a gospel that satisfies the desires and the covetousness of your flesh. You all with me? So again, the question that's been convicting me Jesus said in the last days, these things are gonna, these teachers are gonna rise up, this doctrine's gonna rise up, and it's going to cause many people to depart. And he convicted me Are you teaching your church to be able to stand against false doctrine? Are you teaching your children to be able to stand against false doctrine? Are we teaching our youth? Look at this. This is just kind of a fact for you here. The mark of a true, mature believer, I said true believer, I should have said mature, the mark of a mature believer is to not be swayed by false teaching according to the scripture. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 14, so we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like the ships of a stormy sea, and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery, the unscrupulous men, by the deceitful schemings of people all re- uh, ready to do anything for personal profit. Personal profit. That's what's at the heart of this deception. Personal profit. I don't believe every person that went down that that road was a horrible, wicked, evil person. I don't believe that. I don't believe that they woke up one day and decided I'm going to sell my soul to the devil and I'm just going to. No, but I do believe that they they saw this. They saw this trend that people, they didn't want to hear about repentance. People didn't want to hear things like, look, Jesus will take you no matter where you come from, but you can't go home and live with your boyfriend anymore. You can't go home and live with your girl. You can't go back into homosexuality. You can't go home and just light up another thing. There has to be surrender. They don't want to hear. They've they've been getting to figure that out. People don't want to hear about that. And in fact, it really attracts a small remnant of people. There's a reason that McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell is a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry. Because why go sit down and pay for the T-bone steak when I can pay five ninety nine, and you know feel full, feel satisfied? Are you with me? And that's the problem. That's why when this kind of stuff's being preached, you have to check your heart. But you got to understand, this is preached from a heart of love. This is preached from a place of being just a trumpet preaching from true conviction. Because it's a problem. Why is there any other gospel being preached? Why is there a gospel being preached that's training Christians up? It's not like we're telling people, in order to be saved, you have to pray for one year before you can be saved. You have to fast for six months before you can be saved. You have to give a a million dollars before you can be saved. We're not telling anybody that. There's only one way to be saved. It's not of your own good works. It's by faith because of God's grace, by believing, by confession. But after that, there is a requirement for believers. There is a path, there is a walk, there are commandments, instructions from the Lord that have to be adhered to. It's a problem that a Christian can go and and get another option somewhere. And so... That shows you what what it is right there. It says that they're scheming people for personal profit. That shows you the heart. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. That, that's exactly what it is. Is They caught the trend. They caught what was trending. They caught what people wanted. They caught what sold. They caught what filled chairs and put butts in the seats. And they understood, you know, uh, they ended up compromising because they knew that's what would get the money and the bucket and the show to go on. Are you with me? That's just the god honest truth. The mark of a true believer is a a, a, a mature believer is not being swayed by false teaching. Hallelujah. Number 2, let's keep going tonight. Y'all with me still? Number two, back in Matthew chapter 24, so in verse three, he says, tell us when this will happen, what will be the sign? Verse four, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming that I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. You'll You'll hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. The end won't follow immediately. Verse seven, nation will go against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Write this down for number two. yell again I know I'm going against the system I know that I'm going against some pretty popular voices that says God's going to do this in America and and, and all this is going to happen it's going to be wonderful look I believe in revival I believe that's what revival does I believe that's what awakening does but the scripture does not change the second thing the Bible guarantees that will happen in the last days is financial pressures write that down financial pressures Say famines. Famines. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. As the return of the Lord grows closer and closer, you'll see financial collapse collapse taking place in nations. I'm being honest with you. I'm trying to prepare. I, I, You know... Gina, let me see a $100 bill. Let me see it. I was looking at this, praying over this earlier, and I noticed on this, it says this, this phrase, in God we trust on this. And I just thought that that was so funny. I said, Lord, literally it says on our money, in God we trust. And I just began to declare that. And I said, that's so backwards because in most people, they should write it across their, their, their Bible, In money I trust. But it's just a reminder every time you actually step back and look at this money, I don't trust in this money. Right? I don't, just realizing, Lord, I, my trust is not built on this dollar. My future is not determined by this money. In God I trust. This, this right here, this is just a tool. This can come. This can go. This did not form me and knit me together in my mother's womb. Are you with me? This doesn't determine my peace. This doesn't determine my success. This doesn't determine what I can do. It doesn't determine what I can't do. Because this is, it's a reminder. In God we trust. This is just a piece of paper with ink on it. This is nothing. It's in God whom my trust is in. This could collapse tomorrow and then say, shred it and put it in the fire. Now the new currency is bananas. It doesn't matter. People build their lives around this thing. People stab people in the back. They betray their family. They hate, they, they, they do horrible things for this, a stupid piece of paper with some ink on it. Let it go. I mean, it's like, it can come, it can go. It doesn't matter. Are you with me? You know, one thing is certain, the Bible says, in the last days, there will be economical collapse. I've been asking myself, am I prepared for that, truly? Am I really prepared for that? Are we prepared for that as Christians? Say famines. And I understand that America can go underneath, uh, you know, financial collapse that, that... God will bless us. We can be blessed in the time of famine. That's true, right? But I want to tell you this reality the Bible guarantees famines. God never promised that Christians would be comfortable, He never did. I'm telling y'all, you'll hear many prophetic words. God's going to fix the economy next week. Hallelujah. God's going to change this, and and the gas is going to do this, and the groceries, and all this. And they think that God's ultimate goal is just making sure that Christians are comfortable when that is not God's goal at all. God never promised one time that I'll make sure that you're comfortable. But what did he promise? You can overcome by faith. Hallelujah. Which means if if they wipe our accounts down to nothing and we get a phone call and you say, I've built my whole life and saved up all this money. You got a call tomorrow and said, all of that money is absolutely useless. And now you have absolutely nothing. What does it mean to you? Hallelujah. Hopefully y'all are getting this tonight. God never promised comfort. He promised by faith we can overcome. You know, and again, it's just this simple question. There will be famines. There will be wars. There will be these times of, of economical rise, economical collapse. It's going to happen more and more frequently. I guess the question is, are we preparing our people what are you going to do if for a time things aren't going your way? I know we all say, trust in the Lord and I'm going to believe. But, guys, I'm telling you that when something doesn't go the Christian's way, they lose all faith. They lose all hope. They just go to whining. They just go to begging. They just, I'm just not even going to show up anymore. I'm not even going to be faithful anymore. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to do anything anymore until my life lands in a more comfortable place for me. Is that the truth? We're not creating Christians that can stand against financial pressures because I'm about to get to my next point, but you better believe this and understand that in the last days, not only will, will there be economical famine in the land, in the last days, what if you lost your job for the gospel? Who are you going to follow then? Who are you going to serve? You know, it's crazy, but I know I'm speaking to a lot of people in here, especially the young people, that you feel called to the ministry. You feel that God calls that, has that calling on your life. And I see people left and right dropping out of the ministry to become life coach, right? Right? to be, sell insurance, to do all these other things. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to help you tonight. What are you going to do when you, when you are tested? Because I'm going to tell you, this idea that will never be tested, this idea that even if you feel called to the ministry, I'm going to start when I'm 21 years old, and I'm going to have $50 million in the bank, and I'm not going to have to use my faith for anything, it's an absolute lie. There will come times where the Lord tells you to do things where you're literally living, you're living by the daily bread. Are you with me? Enough for today, hallelujah. And what happens tomorrow? I wake up and I have to believe God for tomorrow. And what happens the next day? I got to wake up and I got to believe God for for bread for that day. You will go through times like that. And I know that, listen, I'm all about the prosperity, but it's a lie. We're not all going to be flying around in private jets with $55 billion where we never have to use our faith for anything. The righteous live by faith. Are you with me? And in fact, I'm all about the money and all the, that's great. I'm all about the Lord blessing us. But guys, can I tell you, there's also been a reality that's been hitting me. Money's a scary thing. Maybe not to you, but to me, it's scary. Because I realize we're going to have to give an account to God for all of this. I think about that, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I kind of, Lord, I kind of like just being in a time where we're just doing our thing. We're doing what you've called us to do, and I don't have millions and millions and millions of dollars because I believe that there's good people that are getting totally lost in that, that God's giving them millions and millions of dollars, and and they're misappropriating things. There is such a requirement to give when God gives you something like that. Are you with me? You know, what? I really think about that. I, I was praying today for our brothers and sisters. I was walking down the street, and I was like, man, it's beautiful, it's sunny, and I'm like, I'm in a free country right now where I can walk down this road and I can pray, I can talk to the Lord. There ain't no people, there's no radical groups running down the street trying to chop my head off right now. There's no persecution, there's no opposition, I'm free. And I begin to think about our brothers and our sisters alive today that don't have that freedom. I begin to think about our missionaries that we support in Africa that literally have lived in a tent with their two children for multiple years to get the gospel to Zambia. Willing to lay it down, willing to live in a tent. And I just begin to think about that and say, Lord, how is it that other people are, are giving up so much? And we think that it's your will that all, we get this great, greatness given to us and we just drive around in Maseratis. And, 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 and I mean, guys, again, I'm not against the blessing of the Lord, but there is, a, there is a fear that comes with the responsibility of what the Lord gives us. Are you with me? i just like, Lord, I just want to give. I just want to, I don't ever, I don't want to get caught up in that trap. Old preachers used to say, there's three things that you don't touch. The Lord's glory, the Lord's girls, and the Lord's gold. Stay away from the three G's, God's glory, God's girls, and God's gold. Amen. Don't get prideful, don't start making it about you. Don't be messing around with sexual sin with women. If you're the ministry, drink from your own well. Amen. And don't touch God's gold. Don't, t- don't mess with God's money. Whew. I mean, I just really think about that stuff. I think about that. And I'm like praying for these people. We have brothers and sisters. They're they're ministering in the Middle East. They're having radical Muslims attack them for, for trying to go out and preach the gospel. And I'm like, Lord, in America, we've been given so much. Of course you want us blessed, but at one point is enough enough. You know what I mean? At one point is enough money. I can do what God's called me to do. Very good. And there's so much of an excess where we need to help these other people out. Well, you know, we gave we gave a million dollars. We brought in 20 and we gave a million or two million to world missions, three million, five million. What about the other 15? Did it cost 15 million dollars to do everything that we had to do or could we have done it with a million dollars and just gave everything else away to help other people preach the gospel? Help other people in other nations. Are you with me? I don't know about you. That's a conviction of me. That it I believe in the blessing of the Lord, but I I believe that there's going to be men that are blessed, 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 blessed because they figured out how this thing works and they're going to go to hell because they messed with God's money. You may totally disagree with me. Let's hope that I'm wrong and you're right. But you can also hear me this. Listen to this as well. America will experience financial collapse. Not America might. America will experience financial collapse. America will experience financial collapse. Do you know, I know some of you all do disagree with me, but it's okay. America is not definitely mentioned in the Bible. I know there's like one verse or something that some people say that is it's not it's not, you know there are multiple nations specifically mentioned. China specifically reoccurringly mentioned. Russia is actually mentioned several times in the Bible. North Africa mentioned several times in the Bible. Middle East mentioned several times in the Bible. That whole part of Europe mentioned several times in the Bible. All these other nations are mentioned. America's never mentioned. When we read the book of Revelation, you're not reading about them. And we try to make everything American. Oh, you know, the, the, the World Trade Center was this, and the, the Titanic sinking was that sign. And it's not, it's not centered around America. So there's one reality that we all have to face. America, you talk to anybody that has spent their life studying the Bible. I like to listen to those men. I like to listen to men like Tiff Shuttlesworth, you know, who spent 50 years studying Bible prophecy. That, that, that There's a reality. America will cease to exist at some point in the future. It will. Whether the church is here, whether we begin to experience that before we're taken off, we will. America will undergo financial collapse at some point. Are we preparing people to stand when it's time to stand? I'm telling you we're not. Look at 2020 through 2022. We're not preparing people. I don't want to lie to the people that we're raising up in the ministry. They, they, you're just going to be driving around in a Bentley in a, in a, in a mansion. and No, I'm, you're, it's going to cost you everything in these last days. The freest that we are right now is the freest that we'll ever be. I'm sorry if you don't want to hear it, but I'm telling you the God honest truth. There's coming a day where being standing for Jesus in America will cost you everything. I'll face it, and I believe my children will face it if the Lord tarries another 20 years. And again, y'all, this isn't actually anything new. You know that this has happened all throughout church history. You know, the second church that we've been talking about in Revelation 2 and in Revelation 3, they were, they were persecuted. The Lord actually says this. Lord, help through all my rambling, help them get something out of this. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, it's the church of Smyrna. In verse 9, he says, I know about your suffering, your poverty. Say suffering. Suffering. Say your poverty. Is it that they weren't blessed? No, they were blessed. If you look at this historically, the government came against the church. They made it illegal for you to buy, for you to sell. Can I also tell you, in Revelation chapter 13, if you're saved, you won't be here. But if you're playing games with God and, and, and you miss the catching away of the saints, you will be here. When there will be a mark that's required of every person according to Revelation chapter 13. Without this mark, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot trade, you can't go to the store, you can't get get formula for your infant, you can't get baby food, you can't feed your children because you claim the name of Jesus Christ. And then in order to participate in any of those areas, you will have to denounce his name. Y'all understand that that's where everything's heading, that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work, setting that stage right now in America. But yet all we want to do is just tell everybody this is the best year that that you'll ever have. And we have millions of Christians that have not counted the cost and and surrendered everything, even their own life, to follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, they won't stand. They will not stand when it's time to stand. You hear Christians every day, oh, you know, I had to, I, and, and again, I'm not telling you you're going to hell because you got the vaccine. I'm just telling you how easily Christians can be manipulated. Oh, I, you know, my job forced me to get the vaccine, and if I didn't, they would fire me. Are you, are you serious? You know, they'll fire you? Get fired then. You know, that would be the, the excuse of most Christians. My job told me that I cannot be a Christian, I cannot go to church. You you think I'm kidding? That they'll monitor your social media, make sure that you're not going to church, make sure you're not hanging around certain people that they've targeted as domestic terrorists because they preach the Bible, and they'll make sure if you do, you cannot keep this job, you cannot get this job, and watch Christians begin to fall off left and right. Why'd you stop going to church? They told me that if I, if I didn't stop, that I would lose my job. Lose your job. Yeah. And in fact, I'll get to a point here in just a moment. i got to get moving. Here's the question, though, for you guys in the ministry. What if you go through a time where things aren't going your way? What will you do? Will you quit? I'll quit the ministry then. Will you get lukewarm? Will you compromise? Write this down for number three. Let's keep going here. Number three. I didn't get into this, but I was going to tell you, and I got on a rabbit trail. That in Revelation 2 through 3, you know, we talk about persecution. He said, I know about your suffering, your poverty, your rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. This is Revelation 2, 9. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Say suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. Y'all, I mean, literally, the church has gone through. You think that we've gone through something in America the last few years, being threatened with a misdemeanor? I mean, honestly, I'm being honest. I think it's amazing. But even the pastor, the only pastor that got arrested in America for having church was out within two hours. He wasn't even in cell a. He went in, got booked, paid the fine, and was out. And then everything got overturned. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. These Christians were literally being drugged out of their homes, being put on a stake to be burned alive. Peter crucified upside down. These things are taking place. And yet Jesus' expectation wasn't, oh, I understand. He said, no, be faithful. Even to the point of death, you must stand. You must not renounce your na- the name. You must not renounce the faith. And if you're faithful, I'll give you the crown of life. And we think that God has some weaker expectation for us today. We're creating false converts of the gospel that aren't ready to stand for anything. Why don't we stop watering it down? Why don't we tell people the truth? And if you want it, hallelujah, that's great. If you don't, then that's your problem. And I'll pray for you, and I'll love you, and I'll say it with tears in our eyes, and so will Jesus Christ because he wants you to make heaven. But we got to stop compromising this truth and teaching people that following Jesus costs you absolutely nothing when the only gospel is the gospel that costs you everything. Everything. Beating around the bush with people. Number three, Matthew 24, verse 9, you'll be arrested, you'll be persecuted, you'll be killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. The next thing, are we preparing people for, so number one, are we preparing people for false doctrine? Number two, are we preparing people to stand against financial collapse? Number three, persecution, write it down, persecution. Are we preparing people to be persecuted? Again, you know, God's going to do this in America. Every church is going to be filled in the United States. That's great. I believe prophets. I believe that all of that stuff can happen. But if that happens, it's going to happen before the great falling away. Are you all with me? We'll fill the place up. But the, The scripture will be fulfilled. There will be a great falling away. And... He said, you will be, not might be, you will be arrested. You will be persecuted. You will be killed. I mean, I I know everybody in this church understands, but apparently there will come a day when following Jesus becomes illegal. When doing the basic things the Bible tells you to do becomes illegal. That's the only way you get arrested. You don't get arrested for keeping the law. You get arrested for breaking the law. I'm so sick and tired of hearing people say dumb things. Well, you know, again, I know I keep referring back to to the COVID thing, but Romans chapter 13 says, submit to your authority. And they have this idea that whatever the government tells you to do, you just do it with no questions asked. That's not what the scripture says. You don't get arrested for doing that. You get arrested for saying what Peter said. Who are we to obey? You or God? Amen. Say persecuted. Persecuted. Are we preparing Christians to get arrested, to get persecuted, to get killed? Guys, that's a morbid thing. And I'm telling you, I don't like to think about that, but there is a reality. There's Christians all over the world giving their lives for Jesus Christ. There's Christians all over the world. Their, Their families are giving their lives for Jesus Christ. It ain't just like the minister gets killed. His whole family gets lined up. Children and all get lined up on the firing squad. And they know how to push the button. You denounce Christ. And if you don't, I'll kill your wife and all of your children. And, and they're, they're keeping the name. They're keeping the faith. I don't know about you, but that's something that shakes me. That's something that says, Lord, the freedom that I have in America, Lord, let me stand firm. Let me stand true. And let me use this freedom to to wake the people up, to get the gospel out, to help our brothers and sisters that that are experiencing that in other nations. How dare me just go to sleep? How dare me just shut up? How dare me just shut down and play church just to get some tithe checks in and let the show go on? You will be persecuted. Write these two things down. Number one, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. If you believe that you may pass away in the next few years, then maybe you won't. But I'm telling you, your children and your grandchildren will be persecuted. So write that down. It's a guarantee. Persecution is a guarantee in the last times, in the last days. Why don't we stop having freaking church seminars about bacon cookies, and why don't we start telling, getting Christians ready for what's coming? Yes, sir. Come on. We're going to take a month and do church, movies at the church and do a whole series over Home Alone. Really? So that what? Your children can get their heads cut off? In 10 years from now? Y'all think I'm being radical? The devil's more radical than I am being right now. The devil has no remorse about what he's doing to your children in the public school about the agenda, about the doctrine, the stuff that they're trying to indoctrinate these children with, he's radical, he's shameless, he's relentless about it. And the church is indifferent, afraid to speak up because we may not make friends if we tell people the truth. I know that you don't go around getting the school board coming to your church by telling them to take that demon off the side of the the gym. Take that red devil off of the side. How dare you call our children red devils? I know that's not how you feel, the church in Huntington, Texas, but that's what God says. That's what God is saying. How can you sit on a church board? Our kids went to the football game a few nights ago, and they said that the dude got up and prayed the most religious, wimpy, weak prayer they've ever heard in their life. And oh, to God be, Lord, let everything be done to glorify you in Jesus' name. Let's go, red devils! Let's go, red devils! And the whole crowd started shouting, Red devils, red devils. Are you kidding me? You think that God, oh, they stop. You know, He thinks that's funny. You adulterers is the language the book of James uses. How can you be in covenant with me, but yet you're a friend of this world? What about be ye separate? Come out of this world and be ye separate. Be holy because I'm holy. It's a guarantee. Guys, I'm going to tell you another hard pill to swallow. I'll write this down for number two about persecution. If you give in to the pressure, there is no guarantee for salvation. I am not sitting in my room, I'm not sitting in my prayer closet trying to think, what's the most controversial thing I can say? I'm telling you something that I cannot get away from in the scripture. If you give in to the pressure of the persecution, there is no guarantee for salvation. According to... The scripture, not according to John. Matthew chapter 24, look what it says in verse 13. So again, you'll be arrested, you'll be persecuted, you'll be killed, you'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Many will turn away and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Look at verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Did he say everybody will be saved? Did he say everybody? proclaiming christian will be saved now we already read in matthew seven several chapters before that that's not the case for many will stand before me and say lord lord didn't we prophesy didn't we cast out devils didn't we do all these great things and he'll say depart from me you who break god's laws i never knew you only those who endure say endure endure through what contextually endure through being arrested persecuted Killed, hated, treated, f- endure through the through the false teaching, the false prophets, the sin, being rampant in the world. The one who is kept, the one who endures in that day will be saved. Was that one verse, John, that's just cherry-picked? No, look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, without quitting quitting you've suffered what have you suffered mean facebook quote, uh, mean facebook comments and your friends not liking you anymore no you've been threatened you've lost your homes you've lost children you've lost a wife you've lost church leaders in these early churches can you imagine pastors being dragged out into the street and killed and executed publicly and everybody gathering back together in the same place the next week you have refused to quit Verse 7: Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, to everyone? No, to everyone who's victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Verse 9 through 11: I know about your suffering, your poverty, you are rich. But you were rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You'll suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. What did he say? If you remain faithful, I'll give you the crown of life. Listen, you know this was a prophecy, Jesus prophesied to John, you're about to be thrown into prison. You're about to undergo suffering. I wonder how many preachers would have stepped up in his day and said, you know, I'm just so tired of those weeping prophets. All they got is negative stuff to say that God's just going to judge. No, literally that was a prophetic word from Jesus of what that church was about to undergo. Let's get out of all of that and let's get to the Bible you with me? The scripture. If you remain faithful, he says. Look at verse 13. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. This is to another church. Yet you have remained loyal to me. You have refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you in Satan's city. Martyred. But you, I have these few complaints against you. You tolerate some whose teaching is like that of Balaam. For the sake of time, I actually want to skip down. Look at verse 17. So he rebukes them for tolerating false doctrine, what we already talked about. Verse 17, anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit is saying and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that's been hidden away in heaven. And I'll give to each one a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name. No one understands except the one who receives it. Again, you've, been, you've suffered for me without quitting. You've not quit. Even when somebody was martyred, you live in the city where Satan has built his throne. And to everyone who's victorious, say Victorious. Victorious through what? The suffering. Victorious through what? The prison. Victorious through what? Being killed, persecuted, being arrested. The one who doesn't quit, I will give fruit from the tree. Are you all with me? Isn't it so clear? Revelation 2, uh, 19 through 29. I'm going to skip down to verse... 25, he says, at verse 24, I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, the deeper truths, as they call them, the depths of Satan, actually. I'll ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have. Hold it. Why do you got to hold it? Because you can lose it. Are you with me? We all got to be humble and understand. He wouldn't tell us to hold it tightly if we couldn't lose it. If it was just guaranteed that it didn't matter what you did anymore. You always had it. Hold tightly to what you have until you come. To all who are victorious and who obey me to the very end. Who obey me what? To the very end. I'll give them authority over the nations. They'll roll over the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. I mean, I had so many more scriptures, verse after verse after verse, the same thing is echoed again and again and again. To those who overcome, to those endure, to those that stay faithful. So listen to the point, it was this, persecution is a guarantee according to the Bible, and if you give into that pressure according to the Bible, there is no guarantee for your salvation. That's hard. That's hard. Absolute surrender. That's what we've just totally lacked teaching people. Absolute surrender. It costs you everything. Everything. Y'all, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's what I'm saying. Churches, like they stop. Have, I, you know that I, I noticed that. I see. We have guests come in to our 930 prayer services where we are praying in tongues, where we're taking communion, and they think this is weird. I can go somewhere down the road that doesn't do this. I can go somewhere down the road that lets me sit in the back like a bump on a log and dishonor the name of Jesus Christ and won't say, won't convict me, won't preach anything that puts any kind of pressure on me, won't put any expectation on me. They understand they can go somewhere else and get that. Or what we can do is begin to compromise the truth, to compromise the word, and to compromise the honor of Jesus Christ to accommodate people that aren't interested in him. absolute surrender say surrender. surrender that's my job as a pastor is to make disciples it's to help have authority i should be telling you you need to be praying you should fast you should show up to revival meetings you should come to prayer meetings you should come in 9 30 in the morning to take communion with us you should do these things if you're not being told that, then you're listening to a person that's a hired hand that's only working for the money. They're not making disciples of nations. Making a disciple, it literally means teacher. It means master. It doesn't mean that I'm the master, but it means you have to teach people what they should do. Even if they're not doing it. What does it mean? you got to get in the nitty and the gritty, and you got to get confrontational, and you got to kind of get in people's stuff sometimes. And, help and warn them, because people are going to hell. And I'm sorry that America is so used to just a circus show. The dude that stands up, he's got no authority, he's got no voice, and he just gives the 15-minute little message and pats you on the butt, and he doesn't want to say anything sideways to you. Cause, Cause the whole meeting's gonna be about Monday morning with the staff of how can we just get these people's butts back in the chair next week? Are y'all with me? I mean, my goodness. I need to finish this up. I'm almost done. I know this is hard. You, hallelujah. He's almost done. Number four. Number four. Rejection, write that down. Rejection. In verse 9, I didn't put it, but it's in, in verse 9. Number four. Oh man, you, you let them uh, you, you gave them the next point. It's okay. He's trying to keep you on edge. All right, number four. Rejection in verse 9, you'll be arrested, you'll be persecuted, you'll be killed. The very next line is this You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. You will be hated all over the world. Here's the question Are we preparing the church to be hated? Are we preparing Christians to be rejected? No, we're not. Are we preparing our students? Are we preparing our kids? If you live for Jesus, let me tell you, honey. Let me tell you, my friend. Let me tell you, my son. You go to that public school. You're not going to be loved by everybody when you're really living for Jesus. You'll be outcasted. You'll be hated. You'll be persecuted. You'll be rejected. They'll call you names. They'll ostracize you. They'll leave you out. They'll count you out. Are you telling you? No. you You know. We, we just fit in. Blend in. But he said you will be hated. You will be. Look at John chapter 15. He didn't say you might be hated. In fact, when, it's, when you're truly walking in truth with the Spirit of Christ, it's impossible for the world to not hate you. The Bible says this in John 15. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Take the pressure off yourself. As a pastor, right, the devil always tries to tell you, well, if you were a better teacher, that person wouldn't have left Oh, if you would have been nicer, that person wouldn't have done this. They wouldn't have done that. He said, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Did Jesus say the world loved me? He said it hated me. There was no better teacher than Jesus. There was no more humble, meek person than Jesus. There was no more anointed person than Jesus Christ. There was no more gifted teacher than Jesus Christ. And yet, did the world receive him? Did they love him? They hated him. They hated him. Why did they hate them? The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted you, me, I'm sorry, since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute you. If they would have listened to me, they would listen to you. They'll do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Are y'all with me? You will be hated all over the world, the Bible says. You won't be popular. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor. Say you won't be popular. Say you won't be loved. Say you won't be received by the world, by the majority of people. You won't be popular. You won't be loved. You won't be received. And it's not because you're not good enough. It's because you don't belong to that world. You don't belong to it. You don't have the same spirit. The spirit that's in you opposes the spirit that's in them. It's like oil and water, it cannot mix together. That's what I just don't understand. Why are we compromising the truth? Trying to make it a, a place anybody comes, anybody feels welcome, anybody just. And I'm not saying people shouldn't feel welcome, but a place that houses everyone. There is a spirit that will hate you if you have the spirit of Christ. It'll be your own family members, your own friends. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34 through 39. I'm almost done. It says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. But I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. So he's saying you'll be hated, you'll be rejected all over the world, even in your own household. What, what, about, what about telling people following Jesus means you're going to lose some friends at some point? Following Jesus means you are going to lose some family members well, you don't understand, Brother John, my family just didn't like me doing it. He told us 2,000 years ago that people in your own house would hate you because of the spirit that's in you. So what does he expect us to do? Compromise, quit, give up, give in? No, look he, what he said. If you love, remember, they're going to turn against you. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Did he beat around the bush? If you'll compromise because somebody rejects you, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Again, I'm being honest with you. I wrote this down, but I said, I don't know where we get the idea that in the last days we're going to have these huge packed out places, hundreds and thousands deep that you know—that are just filled with the people. And then we think the multitudes are a sign of the blessing of God. Listen, I know I'm preaching something that's controversial, but it's true. Look at the things that we said. In the last days, many will depart. In the last days, many will chase after myths. The, 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 the return, the second coming can't take place until the great falling away takes place. Matthew 7 13 through 14. You can only enter God's kingdom through a narrow gate. Say, narrow. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. Say, many. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And here's a word I want you to see only a few find it. Say, few. That word, few, it literally means in the Greek, it means little, it means small, it means quantity, it means size. Guys, this idea that everyone's saved, everyone's going to heaven, everyone that graces the door of a church that says the prayer is saved, Jesus didn't say that. He said, few, find it. Few. Small in number, small in quantity, small in size. Why would he say that? Because there's very few people that are actually willing to lay it all down, that are willing to endure to the end without being compromised, that are willing to endure through being arrested, persecuted, killed, hated, rejected, who are willing to lay it down and and, and give everything to the Lord to follow him. Few find it. Few. I may be like the most unpopular person ever, but salvation isn't just some easy, light little thing. Even in Matthew chapter 25 of the ten virgins, I mention this all the time, but you understand how the ten virgins, half went and half stayed. Half went, half stayed. 50% went to the marriage supper, 50%. These weren't heathens. doesn't mean 50% of the world. It says in that parable, Matthew 25, they all had oil. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. They had all been born again of the Spirit. They all had the oil. Five of them let the lamps burn out. Five of them kept oil in their lamps. The pathway is small, narrow, few find it. Are are y'all following with me? I hope that I'm warning somebody tonight, even watching online. Stop playing games. You know, again, this isn't coming from a place of condemnation. This is me as a trumpet call of God to wake people up that aren't ready. All right, let's end with this. Number four. So are we preparing people to stand against the false deceptions, the false doctrines that will, not might, will lead many people to hell? Are we preparing people to stand against financial collapse? Are we preparing people to be persecuted? Are we preparing people to be rejected? Number five tonight. Are we preparing people... For the sin, are we preparing people to stand against sin? Write that down, sin. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. In all of those signs, many false prophets will appear, deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. What's one of the signs of the last day? Sin will be rampant everywhere. Say everywhere. Everywhere. It will increase. So, one of the things, one of the signs of the last days, sin will increase. It's happening right now. It's everywhere. Are you with me? It's everywhere. It's being celebrated, it's in your face. You can't walk down the mall. I told the kids Friday night, I said, We walked down the Lufkin Mall and we passed by a store that that everybody, you know, kids can walk by and look at. With 50 years ago, that would have been pornography. But yet it's just wide open, it's everywhere. And I know I already hit on it, but the agenda, it's being shoved down our kids' throats. Sin will increase. Now, listen to this. It's not impossible. Abraham lived, Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody's like, well, what about Abraham? What about Sodom and Gomorrah? What? You know, Abraham lived in the same time as Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not a new sin. All this stuff has happened throughout history. But how did Abraham endure Sodom and Gomorrah? How did he stay blessed? How did he stay blessed? He didn't pitch his tent next to it. Are you with me? Lot pitched his tent right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was on the other side of the valley, away from it. Are you with me? How can you stay, how can you, and I'll go ahead and get to this point. Only those who keep their garments white will inherit the kingdom. Here's a biblical fact that is really I mean, it is confrontational. It's a hard pill to swallow. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the one who endures through that, the one who keeps their garment right the white, and doesn't compromise to it, but stands in righteousness, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says. How do I keep my family pure? How do I keep my kids pure in a wicked generation? Don't go pitching your tents right next to it come out of it. Be ye separate. Y'all, I'm telling you that I'm not telling you what to do, but that's why I tell you, tell them blue in the face, my kids won't go to public school. They won't. You do what you want and you follow the Holy ghost, but my kids won't. Why? I'm not pitching my tent next to it. I'm not going to throw my kids into it and hope for the best. I'm not going to let my kid go into fifth grade or third grade and, and, and literally papers being sent about, you know, you can pick your gender. And, and we were reading an article. There was a teacher in Texas that's facing charges because she told her elementary school students, don't use the word pedophile. Use the word young, attracted person. They don't identify as pedophiles. They identify as a I, 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 I'm a young person. I'm young person attracted. It was like words like that. You're not a pedophile. you just you know, you just lust after six year olds. That's acceptable. That's what we're teaching kids today. are you Are you with me? Are you kidding me? One of the absolute worst things you could ever do is turn that TV on, and if I was y'all, I would cancel Dish Network, I would cancel Direct TV. I would cancel all of that. Get you YouTube, get you things that, are, that you can monitor, that your kids aren't just left to this agenda. Don't pitch your tents next to it. Amen. Say amen. amen. Okay, so only those that keep their garments white will inherit the kingdom. This is Revelation 3, 2 through 5. To one of the churches, this is what Jesus said, Wake up, strengthen what little remains. For even what little is left is almost dead. I find that your actions don't meet the requirements of my God. Go back and do what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Look what he said. Yet there are some in the church of Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. He said, you guys are messing it up, but there's some among you who have not soiled their clothes with evil. What What will happen? They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Who? The ones that didn't soil their clothes with evil. For all who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life. That will totally throw you for a loop if you believe once saved, always saved. I'm done in five minutes. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Say the white robes. What are these white robes? I know you'll have people that say, well, that white robe, it just means salvation. When you're saved, you get the white robe. It's talking about the Christians that had actually prayed the prayer and been saved. No, in Revelation 19.8, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen." Clean and bright. For the fine linen, look at this. What is the fine linen? For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. What was the fine linen? What were the white robes? The righteous actions of the saints. Are you with me? So kind of put this together. He's saying the rest of the church had compromised their righteous actions. There's a remnant of you that have not given in to the sin that's running rampant in the world. You've kept your robes white. You've kept your righteous actions. To those, you'll walk with me in white robes, he says. All right, two, two verses here to end this. Now, does it help you understand what the scripture means very clearly? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, those who worship idols, those who commit adultery, those who are male prostitutes, those who practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because only the Christian that keeps their, their garments white will enter into the kingdom. According to the scripture. Are you with me? I don't know about y'all, but what this does, it doesn't make me self-righteous. It makes me make a list and make dang sure that I'm not falling into any of it. Galatians 5, 19, 19 through 21. When you follow after the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me ask this. How many Christians today do you think have compromised their righteous actions? I literally wrote a lot on my paper. A capital A-L-O-T. A lot. A lot. You understand now why the Bible says the pathway to hell is broad, traveled by many, but the, the, the gate is narrow and it's found by few? Yeah, we're playing games with God. A lot of people are playing games with God. And to wrap this all up, here's the promise Matthew 24, 13 through 14. My points were number one, the one who endures through false doctrine, say false doctrine. Number two, the one who endures through financial pressure. Say financial pressure. Number three, the one who endures through persecution. Say persecution. Number four, the one who endures through rejection. Say rejection. Number five, the one who endures through sin. Say sin. To the one who endures to the end, they will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached through the whole world so that the nations will hear it and then the end will come. I'll ask you the question the Lord asked me. Are we really preparing people for the last days? No. In this church, we will. But I need your help. I need your help to take the message to people. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands and let's pray. Father, I pray you bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let them have ears that they can hear. Let them have eyes that they can see what the Spirit is doing, what the Spirit is saying in these last days. Give them a strength. Give them a holy conviction. Give them a revelation, Lord, that shakes them to the core, that changes them, that ignites them, that lights them on fire. Lord, I pray you would convict every heart in this room with such a burden that they fall before you on their face. They come before you in the prayer closet to be right with you, to make sure that they surrender everything to you. And I thank you, Lord, that when they do that, you'll light them with fire. You'll ignite them with fire. You'll pour your spirit out on them. You'll anoint them as messengers of the gospel in these last days. Thank you, Father, for pruning us by your word. It may have hurt a little bit, but you said every tree that remains in you, you prune so that it can produce more fruit. I thank you that tonight, Lord, branches were cut in Jesus' name. Old ideas were cut off in Jesus' name. False doctrines were torn down in Jesus' name. Every dead branch that produces no fruit was chopped off in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that we'll produce more fruit for more fruit because of it in the name of jesus and everybody said amen Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah praise god god bless you guys thank you for coming tonight lord bless them for being hearers of the word in jesus name If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.